and welcome to Socks on Tap. I am Johnny Nani, joined tonight by Tony Marchese. And Tony, we are talking about taking two of three from the Astros, the White Sox did on the south side. Um, how are you feeling about this? Dude, it's awesome when you get to go watch a full series of games, regardless of the outcome. I mean, we could get swept. But being at three games in a row, especially one of them being a doubleheader, uh, which was two days ago now at this point in time, uh, and then the day game the next day just feels like you're living at the ballpark. And Johnny, there's no greater place in this world than Comiskey Park. I mean, it, it, there's no greater place. You get to tailgate in Lap B, throw some beers back, head on in, enjoy some time with your friends, watching the White Sox play. And it always helps when you're winning. And when you're winning against a team that's way better than you, that's even better. I'm feeling fantastic right now. How about yourself? Uh, I am too. I think today's win, uh, the finale of the series, uh, the fashion in which we did that, uh, that just adds a little extra jolt, Tony. Um, a grand slam. That's. I was kind of saying before the game, you, you and I did a little bit of a... Uh, so we, we didn't leave you completely dry on content for the series. We, we did do a little brief periscope in the parking lot. And one thing I had said, I don't think I mentioned it on the Periscope, but b- before to you, I said, we, we haven't really hit any home runs this series, like yeah. any, like, and because you we were talking about, you know, us liking fireworks um, and we hadn't. And then we finally got them today. Uh, Eloy put one onto the uh, frozen drink section uh, up right underneath that uh, fan deck out in center field. And then obviously the big bop was uh, McCann uh, grand slam uh, game winner, man, in, in that bottom of the eighth inning. Uh, to put the White Sox in a uh, thirteen to nine position, uh, win that game. So, um, I mean, I got a little extra pep in my step. Uh, we're we're running late here. Uh, we're burning the midnight oil at Sox on tap, but I, I'm still with it uh, because they gave me a little extra energy today. Absolutely, they did. And yeah, we apologize for the the little brief hiatus we took here. Obviously, Monday night rain out. Um, we were all set, ready to go, record our normal show, and then uh, Johnny was supposed to be at the ballpark. That was supposed to be uh, Buzz and I uh, breaking that game down, or or was it you and I? I forget at this point in time. It it would have been two of us, obviously. Um, I had tickets to Tuesday. Uh, Obviously, Monday gets rained out. Johnny had tickets to Monday. So uh, we all wind up at the ballpark on Tuesday. Just a great day. Uh, Jake Trojan came down there, good friend. We spent some time down in the 108. It was my son's birthday. He got to go down there. He got to enjoy a little one awaiting, as he liked to call it. Um, <laughs> just a good, good day at the ballpark for the kid. Um, you know, turning seven and uh, getting to go see a doubleheader. Uh, 
you know, I, I'm honored that he chose to do that for his birthday. So um, I'm glad that he was sent home with a win. And then obviously uh, today, yeah, Johnny and I both had tickets again. So we were spending most of our time at the ballpark, obviously driving to and from, back and forth, all that. Uh, really didn't leave us with much time to record. Um, so uh, we we like to get out to the ballpark and enjoy it just as much as we like hopping on the mic and, and talking about it. So here's the series recap um, episode where, again, we apologize. We hope everybody uh, got to check out the first Sunday fun day that we did. Um, sorry, we're doing a little bit of house cleaning stuff here, but uh, Buzz, Nani, and I, we all hopped on the microphone together on Sunday. We've received a lot of feedback on that episode, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna make that a thing. I think uh, just based on the feedback we asked for, um, we got it, and uh, it seems like most of you uh, enjoyed that episode. Uh, a little bit more non-review type of podcast, more of a um, pick a topic and, and kind of chat about it together, us three. I had a lot of fun doing it. Um, thank you for all that tuned into that extended episode. I know that was a little bit different, but uh, like we said, uh, a lot of people seem to enjoy it, so we're going to make that a thing. Yeah, absolutely. That that was great. Uh, thank you for the feedback, as Tony had mentioned. Um, and with these three that, you know, the this three-game series ended up being played in two days, uh, you got the doubleheader that Tony had said we were out there for, uh, out there again this morning, or yeah, it was morning by the time we were back out there. Um, but you know, quick turnaround on that. So we we just thought it would be better to recap this, and then we can give you a full preview of this Angel series coming up here. Um, Tony, uh, I really like the Sunday Fun Day, but we will save Sunday Fun Day conversations for Sunday Fun Day. Let's get into our normal review here. Uh, first game, six to two loss, and um, you know you, you get Dylan Cease out there. Uh, who actually looked pretty solid, man. Um, we had talked about avoiding the uh, big innings early on, and unfortunately the first pitch of the game was a bomb to the concourse by George Springer. But um, other than that, man, his final line, six innings, five hits, four runs, only two of them earned, though, so he didn't get, didn't get any help from Wellington Castillo at all. Uh, five walks, uh two strikeouts and the two home runs that he allowed. But um, I think this is just another, as much as the numbers may not say it just straight up, um, it definitely looks better from Cease, Tony. It did. It, it absolutely did. And this isn't the first time he's been touched up by the long ball early on in the game. Uh, maybe it's just some jitters. Um, you know, we, we seem to be talking about this guy a lot. Um, you know, we talked about him on Shy Sox Weekly uh, earlier tonight. Um, here we are talking about him again. Um you know, if uh, if he could just get through those first three innings, I just I say this all the time. If he could just get through those first three innings, he's going to put himself in a better position to win the ball game. Um, but like you said, overall, I think this was an impressive start for him. Um, I liked the stat line. I liked what I saw uh, as far as the stuff. And uh, yeah, I mean, just keep on trucking, Dylan. And hopefully, one of these times, maybe a little luck at play here, but, uh, you'll get through with, uh, with a scoreless outing here. I th- think that the trend is on the right trajectory. Yeah. And ho- hopefully we also do get one of those, uh, dominant outings by cease that you had uh, hoped for in yep. our, what to look for the rest of the season, uh, that we talked about at the very end of that shy Sox weekly. We just recorded, um, on the opposite end of the spectrum, it was Zach Grinke going his second start for Houston. Um, he, he was damn good. Hey, he is the pitcher that they trade for, um, only two runs. Uh, they're both earned, 
But, uh, you know, Zach Greinke, very established pitcher. I was uh, just throwing surprised like, at the Sox. Yeah, throwing like 69 mile an hour curveball is ridiculous. Yeah. One one thing that was positive in there, um, and there's some negative talk about, like I'd already mentioned, uh, Wellington Castillo. Man, that guy had a rough go of it um, uh, in game one there of the series. But uh, one positive when you talked about us getting to him, and one of the guys that got to him was Eloy Jimenez, and he did it in the fashion of a double, which I think I have been pleading for a couple of episodes on this, Tony, just when you're looking at his straight up numbers this year. Sure home runs decent but uh double numbers he only had eight before the series so um you get two of them now so finally up double digits there <laughs> yep that's positive yep and uh back to my my favorite thing to talk about runners in scoring position two for seven not bad in this game uh only left five runners on base um obviously the Sox had seven hits during this game um in a game against Zach Greinke I feel like they did, while only scoring two runs, um, they did have a tie ball game in the fifth. Um, you know, we, we the bullpen was a little bit rocky there uh, towards the end. But the Sox put themselves in a position to, to compete with Houston in that first game. I think uh, up until things got a little hairy and, uh, and the rain clouds started to come in, uh, the Sox were in that ball game. So, you know, it, there wasn't any big innings. Uh, this was kind of death by paper cut, I think, uh, so to speak. Mm-hmm. One run in the sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth for Houston. Um, you know, they they were in it, but uh, yeah, definitely didn't get much help um, behind the plate from Wellington Castillo. Three pass balls, just uh, not what you like to see from a catcher. In, yeah, in, in any situation, and some of those did lead to runs. So. It's yeah, that's that's not good. I think we also had a play at the plate too there. Um, Yeah, I mean you could probably pin a little bit of that on Capper as well. Um, But yeah, he also got thrown out the plate. So just overall, just adding to the uh, bad juju for Wellington Castillo in Game One there. Um, You talked about it not being all terrible though. Um, Let's just jump into uh, how that kind of built into the second game. Um, We had a little bit of a weather delay. Uh, going in we hope you enjoyed the weather report so we didn't leave you dry without content we gave you a little tidbits but um tony <laughs> twista know, was, I'm, I'm was in town twista. yeah tony yeah. twista is in town um helped get us through that rain um we did end up as tony had mentioned uh we did end up getting some baseball in it started a little after eight um but game two the story Ivan nova tony complete game second one this season um and i hinted at this a little earlier his first one was against miami against the Marlins, and you would think, I think some people can brush that off and say, oh, well, Nova is just, you know, it's Miami. Anyone can do that. Um, But this is a Houston team that is just destroying the AL West. Uh, They're damn good, and Nova puts up nine innings, complete game, only four hits, one run. It was unearned and only struck out three. So he did it in his own Ivan Nova style, uh, but stole the show, man. I was really happy with that. Uh, I think something about his starts, in the second half of the year when we're sitting in the 108, Tony, that's there's got to be something there because both complete games we've witnessed from that spot. Exactly. I was just about to say that, man. We, we've witnessed two complete games from Nova in person this year. I think if you go back to the beginning of the year and we do, we do our predictions and all this other stuff that we do at the, at the beginning of the year, if we sat down and talked about what we were to expect while viewing Nova this year. Neither of us in our right minds would have said that this guy 
was going to throw two complete games while we are present. Just that yeah, I don't I don't think you would have ever thought that. I thought this was like a six inning guy. Um, yeah. You know, I talked earlier this year about who's going to eat these innings for us. And it's been Nova of late eating innings and doing it in pretty decent fashion. Um, you know, I saw something about uh, about him changing something in the second half that Reynaldo Lopez had, had pointed out to him. So, you know, he's he's talking to guys. He's fixing himself. He's learning from the younger guys. I like that out of him. I like I like a guy that can, you know, talk to anybody, help them fix whatever's going on. Um, that just shows that he's a student of the game. I love that attitude. And you know what? Nova's not flashy, Johnny, but he gets the job done. And you know he, he's not a super sexy free agent who's going to come in here and, and be a world beater. But he's been as serviceable as any pitcher in baseball of late. And hey. You know, he, he took care of a very damn good Houston team in this game. And, you know, the offense, they picked him up just like they needed to. Um, one of the things that we talked about coming into this series was, God, it felt like so long since the White Sox had put a crooked number on the board. Yes. You know, more than one run. And in the second inning, we got that crooked number. The Sox put up three for an early lead. And one of the things that we haven't touched on yet is that the starter for game two – was supposed to be Garrett Cole. Mm-hmm. And we were leaving the Revolution Room and about to head down to our seats for Game 2 when we got a nice little message. I mean, we don't wish injury upon anybody, but we got a nice little message for the, for the White Sox that Garrett Cole was scratched from his start. And I think when we were walking down that ramp, we all kind of had this feeling like, hey, we might be able to win game two. Yeah. I know I did. I got excited. Yeah, it was kind of a seize the moment sort of thing. Exactly. You know? you know, you got Nova on the mound, and he's been serviceable, and then all of a sudden, one of the best pitchers in the AL gets scratched. You know Houston's got to be on their heels at this point in time trying to figure out what to do. So right then and there, that was an opportunity to strike, and the Sox were opportunistic about it. They went out and got to Davinsky in the second inning. Um, he he kind of acted as an opener, I guess, so to speak, um, as Houston was was caught on their toes or their heels or whatever, and uh, had to had to come up with a plan. They threw Davinsky in there to start the first two innings. Sox were able to get to him and uh, get out there with the early lead for Nova, and and it kind of went on cruise control a little bit. Uh, Houston did strike back in the third. But they were silent the rest of the game. Um, just great stuff from the White Sox in the second game. We'll break it down a little bit more for you here. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, we were just looking at offense here. Tony, you talked about that crooked number three, those coming in the second inning. Um, you got to, when you're just looking up and down the lineup here, I believe it was Adam Engel that had his uh, um, RBI in that second inning. And that was big because I believe it came with two outs tone. So that's another being opportunistic moment there. Um I was happy to see that because, unfortunately, uh, the mentality has just kind of been Adam automatic out is kind of what you'd think. That's honestly just how it's been uh, with him track record in his career and whatever. So it was good to see him come through in that situation. Um, Weird seeing him on MLB Network highlight when I'd gotten home from the game. But, you know, uh, 
good nonetheless. And then Ryan Goins gets the leadoff spot for this game. Uh, two for four, two RBI. Uh, struck out twice, but hey, when, you, when you're putting some runs home, uh, I will take that uh, from Ryan Goins, especially kind of being, you know, probably not used to that. Um, he, I don't think he's hit there that frequently. Um, it's it, it was just kind of uh, interesting game to say the least just in the makeup of where guys were slotted at um unfortunately timmy it was a rough day for timmy on tuesday night uh oh for four in this game but uh you know james mccann starting to maybe pick it up a little bit um two for four and he scored a run um other than that you, you get uh i mean just kind of spread out here when you look at the hits uh, uh tim anderson the only one in the lineup to not uh record a hit in that game two tone so um, I was happy with it, and I was happy with Nova. Just like you had said, cruise control pretty much after that third inning. Yeah, absolutely, and that's that's what you need, especially in the back half of a doubleheader. Uh, it's not like the Sox really burned that bullpen in the first game, but you would expect when the day started that the Sox were going to be utilizing the bullpen a lot more than what they actually did. Um, you know, you bring up your twenty-six man in Ruiz. Um, you probably expected to actually see him in game two. Um, but you know, you can't, you can't stress the importance of saving the bullpen, especially in a series like this, where if Houston had come out firing on all cylinders in game two, um, you know, you, you've utilized a few guys in, in, in game one out of the pen and had they had to go to three, four, five relievers in game two, they would have been in a really bad spot today. Um, but no, Nova saved it, um, saved that pen, uh, got, got those guys some rest. Um, getting out of there without a lot of taxation on it, like I said, very important. Very, very important. So not only that, I, the, the other guy I wanted to touch on was, was Adam Engel when you were talking about it. Average out of this game, 221. I'm not really happy with that because one of the things that, that Renteria had said when Adam went back down is we want to see this guy be like a 250 kind of hitter. Um, you know, I'm, I'm glad that he broke through with the uh, with the hit in a, in a timely, timely spot. But the guy also left five runners on base during this game. Um, you know, the, the, the timely hit kind of saved him here because had he not come through there, I feel like we would have been talking a lot about how bad Adam Engel was in that game. I, I, that's yeah, just how I feel. No, I'm totally with you, and I, I see that as well. I just wanted to point it out there because it was just, in the, even in the first game, you're just thinking, just automatic out. Whenever you see him on TV, no matter what it is, you seriously do. And it, it sucks because you don't want to be completely negative or you know you want to give them an opportunity but man like you had said the the 221 average whereas they want that expectation to be in that 250-ish range um it's it's just unfortunate that uh it's come to this because the, the glove and speed are so so solid for him but i uh, just cannot figure out um at the plate so i, I just i think that was just shocking to me yeah he's he, gone through a few stretches but nothing yeah, right, ever consistent right when he first came back up he definitely had a stretch there too, and then he went cold, and then uh, I don't know if this is going to be a stretch here. Hopefully, it's the start of one, but um, 
I was, you know, happy to see that uh, other than the five runners left on base. But uh, if he doesn't get that hit, I honestly don't think the offense really gets jump started in that game because that came early on. So, um, uh, good good vibes moving forward there. Um, other than that, there's nothing to talk about bullpen wise because Ivan Nova uh, does a favor there. So um, let's move into the series finale. Uh, wild one, Tony. Uh, White Sox win it by a score of 13 to nine. Uh, we'll talk about a barn burner. Uh, balls are flying out of the yard left and right. Um, you know, you get home runs. I think it was it Griel had uh, multiple. Oh yeah, he had a multiple home run day. Um, hit one right off the foul pole down the uh, third baseline where we were at. Uh, Jose Altuve with a bomb uh, later on to tie the game after the White Sox had gone up 9-7. to seven. But on our side, um, I think Eloy's bomb can't be understated enough how much of a bomb that was. And I think that he's just hitting these to such odd places, Tony. Like his one that he put up on the, you know, the stairs to the fan deck earlier back in like, what is that, like early June or something like that. Yep. Um, He's hitting these in such odd places that the stat cast doesn't know exactly where to measure where it would have landed. Do you, uh, do you agree with that theory? I agree with that theory because there's no way. I think that, what did they say, 434? Yeah. No way. Absolutely no way. Um, yeah, I don't think stat cast can account for the height of the fan deck or whatever that little area is in the ballpark. Um, that ball was just massacred. Um, you know, I love this game. Didn't even didn't even feel like you got all of it. It was no, a scary thing. No, that was that was a very scary thing. But I, I loved this ball game, and you know, I want to touch a little bit right now. Um, if not for Nova yesterday, I mean, look what you did in the bullpen today. You had a Ross Dautweiler start. Uh, you went to Cordero. You went to Bummer. You went to Marshall, Osage, Kyle May. It took a lot to get through this game. It took a yeah, lot. Kyle May. Kyle May spanning over two innings. I know it was an inning in uh, two thirds, but yeah. You know, spanning over two innings there, um, and you don't have a day off in between this Angels series. So uh, I think you just nailed it on the head there. You, you cannot be understated how huge Ivan Nova's complete game on Tuesday night was. Yeah, and, uh, you know, this game was just an offensive show uh, on, on both ends. Um, not not often that you see a 13-9 to final, um, over 20 <laughs> runs scored in the ball game. A lot of, lot of, like you said, a lot of offensive firepower, a lot of balls hit out of the stadium. Um, 15 hits for both clubs. It, this was an entertaining one to, today. It was absolutely entertaining. Um, I'm just glad that the White Sox ended up coming out on top. Um, obviously, the hero of the game, James McCann, um, coming up in a big spot in the bottom of the eighth. And Sox had just you know, lost their lead and here, here comes McCann obviously um, been struggling a little bit um, throughout the second half, big time hit from a big time player for the White Sox this season, um, clearing the bases and there's nothing cooler or tougher in all baseball than a grand slam. I mean, Feel free to argue with me, but I don't think no. there's anything cooler and tougher for a hitter to do than hit a grand slam. Obviously, the cycle is cool and tough. Obviously, pitchers throwing no hitters is cool and tough. But clearing the base paths when the sacks are packed with socks is the coolest and toughest thing that a hitter can do, in my opinion. Hey, a four-run a four play, that's the only time that it can happen in a grand slam. So, yes, absolutely. I would, I'm not even going to argue with you on it because I agree with you on it, Tony. Um, and th- at the time, the time that it comes, especially after, you know, we were up to yeah, feeling 
it, I mean, I, I told you guys, you and Jake, when we were watching it up, <clears throat> uh, during that little rain spurt, <clears throat> excuse me, up in the Rev Brew tap room, um, I'd said, I want like four more to feel comfortable. <laughs> you did. And I, I did. I did say that. And uh, of course, Jose Altuve uh, plays a hero for Houston well, at the time uh, in the top of the eighth inning to uh, get that game tied back up with two run home run of himself. That he put it into that left field bullpen there, the White Sox bullpen. So, um, and you just kind of, you know, those guys, they're they're clutch players and they're really good. And you hear about them a lot because the Astros are really good. I think I had put out something there that uh, it was, you know, even after the win, it was, oh, you're gonna, uh, is there who wants to bet uh, that you'll hear more about Guriel and Altuve than Eloy and McCann on MLB Network tonight. Well, that's why we do Socks on Tap, so you can hear all about Eloy and McCann. Um, McCann coming up right after, like I said, that game was tied back up. Houston just did it in the top of the eighth. Um, came down to, to uh, I think it was a, two, was that the two-strike count? I know we had two outs for sure. I believe McCann was down to a two-strike count, Tony. Um, he was, yeah. Yeah, that makes so, it even cooler and tougher. It's um, just all adding into what you just said there, Tone, um, uh, about it being cool enough, and it is. Uh, it is because it's so clutch, and uh, then it also makes that lead, you know, because Houston's got a potent offense, so if it's a one- or two-run lead, that's almost nothing for them. Uh, you, you would kind of expect the game to be tied then. Um, and I know even with the four there, uh, you were kind of nudging me and saying, okay, well, you know, uh, Springer's going to hit a home run or something. The next guy's going to get a single, and then, you know, Brantley's going to hit a two-run shot. Well, or and like here's that. the thing. When I'm, when, I'm, when I'm saying this, it's not out of the realm of possibility. You go look at this lineup. Springer, Altuve, Brantley, Bregman, Alvarez, Correa. Six guys in a row. Even even go to seven. Guriel. Um there's seven guys. I, I mean, uh, much more respect for Yuli Gurriel here. He's in 306. You know, all these guys. Let me just read their averages: 297, 307, 328, 277, 339, 268, 286, 30, 306. I would die to have a lineup that's hitting as well as Houston is. Yep. I mean, you put that on the flip side. You go look at the Sox lineup: 285, 230, 323, 276, 288, 240, 204. It's just not there. I mean, this team is all hitting around or above 300. You know, that's you can you can make an argument that yeah, Springer could hit a single, Altuve drives him in with the double, Brantley goes yard. I mean, it, it, you this Houston offense could put up four runs in four batters in a hurry if they really wanted to. I mean, not that they wanted to, but if. If given the opportunity, they will score more than four runs and and tie a ball game back up. But that obviously didn't happen. Thank God for for Calame in a situation like this. Um, you know he had to he had to come in and, and kind of battle through some stuff here. Um, like you said, one and two thirds innings. Um, you know the 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 Astros were not letting the socks off the hook on this one. They they knew that they lost that second game. They they wanted this one bad. Because they battled too, you know. There's only three innings in this ball game where Houston didn't put up a run, and you know, granted the White Sox offense also did very well in today's ball game. Houston's did as well. Nine runs in a ball game, you're normally not going to lose. The Sox offense just did a little bit more, and they came up with that timely hit. Obviously, McCann grand slam. I mean, that's. 
just something that uh, <laughs> something that we needed to get by them. But like I said, the Houston was not giving up. They were not letting the Sox off the hook. They were battling back uh, the entire ball game, and it was so frustrating to watch because, you know, as a Sox fan, <laughs> we had that two run lead. Especially like you were talking about earlier, we're up in the Revolution Room, and you're talking about how we're going to need four more. Well, <laughs> Houston came back and tied it, and then we got the four more. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's just yeah. I mean, gotta gotta give credit game. where yeah, gotta give credit where credits due though, man. That Houston lineup, they they can do damage, and that's why I said when I when I nudged you. I mean, this is not this this game was not over. Yeah, not by any means. Uh, they definitely had the ability to, but I was glad. And there's no funny business with Alex Calme in that last inning because I was there on Saturday night. Um, granted, it wasn't all his fault, but still, after one error, you know, is committed, then you walk in one or two, and then you're just kind of on the edge of your seat. And that was only, you know, that, that was only one run lead. So uh, on Saturday night, so I was glad we had the uh, four to work with there. Um, Got done. Got the job done. Uh, that's a win heading into Anaheim. And, uh, yeah, I think that's where we need to go next. I think we've talked about that game a lot. Uh, James McCann's your hero. One so. last thing on that game. Tim Anderson, four hits. Big recovery for Timmy. Huge recovery from after, an over yeah. day before. Yep. So, you know, back in the saddle there, average sitting at 323. Um, just very impressive year out of Tim Anderson, and, and he's back hot, I think, uh after after that over day it's good to see him just kind of write that right off and, and get back in the swing of things all right Johnny let's talk about the upcoming series um, that you were just prefacing yeah so uh, White Sox are heading out west um, they're visiting the Anaheim Angels uh, it's a late one tomorrow night 907 central time start um, it'll be Randall Lopez on the bump for the White Sox who has been throwing very well in the second half of the season Um and then he is going toe-to-toe with Andrew Haney uh, for the Angels. He's only 1-3 with a 4-8-9 ERA. Um, Tony, uh, going out west, and I think this is something that we talked to touch a little on Chai Sox Weekly about, but um, you know, the West Coast never is in general kind to the White Sox, at least it hasn't been in recent memory. But I feel like the Angels are one of the teams that is not as – like you, you don't you feel kind of hopeless going into Oakland, whereas I feel like there's you know more of a possibility for uh, wins here in Anaheim. Absolutely, Johnny. Um, yeah, and we we did touch on this a little bit uh, earlier tonight on uh, on Chi Sox Weekly, but um, let, let's hash it out here as well. The Sox, just like you said, they they don't seem to like the West Coast. Um, you know, obviously. Uh, we we know what happens when we go visit Oakland. This is a different town. This is the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. They play somewhere in California. They can't make up their mind, but uh, not not as scary like you said. Um, obviously, the lineup has Mike Trout. Um, he's a dangerous dangerous player, um, the best in baseball, hands down. So. Um, you know, there, there's always a chance that this team can just jump out and, and, and ride him. But, um, you know, they're, they're sitting at 59 and 63 on the year. They're a few games under 500, but that's not too many more wins than the White Sox have. If they're coming in here 54 and 65. Um, this is going to be a long set, though. You know, no off day. Coming off of a doubleheader, like we talked about. 
and then a day game right into uh, a, a late game for these guys. You know, they're, they're, they're going to be playing a little bit later than they normally do out on the West Coast. Um, let's let's just hope that we get the Raylo that we've been seeing for a while, and I think they're going to be okay. Um, Sox have a lot of momentum coming into this. You know, that's two in a row against the Houston Astros. Let's, let's hope this isn't, as they say in hockey, a trap game for the White Sox. Absolutely, Tony. I think you hit the nail on the head there just with the circumstances surrounding uh, the time of the games that they had just played in that Houston series and the travel um, body clocks. You know, the time zone can change. So, yeah, sure, your uh, alarm clock may say uh, 7.07, whatever this is going to be, but your body's going to feel like 9.07. So, uh, yeah, you got to get up for it. Um, let's, you know, put plenty of runs on the board uh in the series finale against uh a pretty decent pitcher in wade miley so let's against the lesser uh well you know the lesser known uh lesser ability i would say in andrew haney um let's get to him uh, i just want to see that offense going so then even if frelo does have a li- little bit of a uh, slip up game um you, you could still mitigate that um but i would just you know it'd be ideal to see the rail that we know but uh, all those factors you, you got to take into consideration. Yeah, I mean, Raylo in the second half has been lights out, and you know, you you said it perfectly there. Uh, the lesser opponent in, in Andrew Haney. The one thing that scares me, and and why I consider this a trap game, is it seems like every time that the White Sox offense goes off, and we've seen kind of two games now where we put up some crooked numbers we seem to come out and then just completely go dormant. At least Mm -hmm. that's the feeling that I have is, you know, I hate to say you wasted all your runs in one game because we know that's not true. That's not how baseball works. Every game in and of itself is, you know, completely separate from the day before, you know, you can carry momentum at the plate, how you're seeing the ball, but you're not facing the same pitcher. You're not facing the same guys. The lineup could be different. You've got different players out on the ball field defending. It's it's very hard to take what happened today and apply it to tomorrow. And the situations are just different. So I hate to go back to that whole, you know, save some runs for tomorrow kind of attitude. But I feel like the Sox, when it comes down to this, it's it's almost – like, I want to say, hey, save some runs for tomorrow. Obviously, the Sox needed every run that they got today. But I've seen this story too many times where they go score 13 runs one day and then can barely scrape a run across the plate the next day. Mm-hmm. It, it, and that's what's really frustrated me yeah. a lot about this team this year. Well, just think recent history here. Um, last week at this time, um, we scored... 10 runs in a series finale at Detroit. And then you come home. Uh, granted, there was an off day in between there. But you come home and you put up no runs in two of the uh, three games against Oakland. And the one that you did win, you only put up three. So three over a three-game series. Not great, Bob. Um, you've seen it recently. So I think it's very legitimate concern, Tony, that this could be a trap game um, and a sort of mentality like that, like you had mentioned, for all those reasons why you know, it was all situational. But feel like you know, say some runs for this Anaheim series well yeah and I think that they, they they shouldn't have a lot of trouble doing so let's just look at some of these pitching matchups 
obviously we talked about Lopez Haney. Then you go into Lucas Giolito against Patrick Sandoval, who is just making his second career start. 5.59 ERA, 12 strikeouts. Now, we all know the narrative with the White Sox, right? Never seen this guy before. But Patrick Sandoval, not a world beater. What I don't want to see is Patrick Sandoval, the new Cy Young of the American League on Friday night. Because not only is Game 1 a trap game, Game 2 is a White Sox trap game. Just with the pitching matchup. You got Lucas Giolito, best pitcher on the team, against a guy that the Sox have never seen before. Doesn't matter who the Sox lineup is. Doesn't matter if it's this lineup. Doesn't matter if it's 2016's lineup. Doesn't matter if it's 2006's lineup. Never seen this guy before. You've heard Hawk Harrelson say it for the past 15 years. The Sox always seem to struggle against guys they've never seen before. Don't let that happen. I don't want to see that. Yeah, now, let's break some narratives. Yeah, let's break narratives. Now, going into Saturday, uh, the Sox have not released who their starters are going to be. I don't have them in front of me. It's just TBD at this point in time. But you got Jose Suarez, 2-4 and four with a 6.57 ERA, 48 strikeouts. He had um, – he posted a 10.22 ERA over his last three starts. He gave up six runs, four earned in three innings in his start Monday against the Pirates. That's not great, Bob. No, so not one bit. We got another guy who is very easily beatable. That's on Saturday, and then Sunday, Griffin Canning. These are guys you've never even heard of before, Johnny. I told you the Angels love to do patchwork. That's how they. uh, That's how they make their team around Mike Trout. They just do patchwork. They don't actually commit to anything that's decent, and their farm system's not great. Never even heard of this guy. Uh, here's a here's a little write up that MLB gives on him. Canning showed some rust in his return from an elbow injury. I wouldn't even know if he was injured because I've never even heard of him. Allowing three runs over four innings against the Pirates, he gave up six hits and walked three, only striking out two. Another guy that just looking at this on paper, regardless who the Sox throw, they should be winning this ball game. Um, you want to talk about predictions in this series? I look at all these pitching matchups and I go. The Sox should be 4-0 here. So I'm going to take a step back and take a little bit off there and go 3-1 and in this series. 3-1 and for the White Sox against the Angels. This pitching I, staff, I, yeah, this pitching staff they're going up against, if I'm going to say they're going to lose a game, it's going to be in the first two. It's going to be Sandoval, who they've never seen before. I know we want to break the narrative, but there it is right there on the table. Or it's going to be the trap game in Andrew Heaney uh, up against Reynaldo Lopez. Uh, what, are, what are your picks here? What do you, what do you got? What do you got? You need to spoil the end of Shy Sykes Weekly, but, hey, I'm, I'm going 3-1 and one as well. I, I just don't feel as intimidated, I guess, going into Anaheim, and I think that's just going to be my, my nickname for them. They're patchwork. That's what they are. You got Mike Trout, the superstar, the best in the game, and then you patch around him. I mean, don't get me wrong. Shohei Otani is good. I know that. Tommy Lestella has been good when healthy. But, <laughs> you know, the, other than that, man, it just you just named off some of those pitchers. And, dude, it's like, who are these guys? Yeah, yeah I, I don't even know. It, it, do you wonder if people say that about the Sox? 
I would guess sometimes when you get your when we had our patch, but we were doing patchwork then. You know what I'm yep. saying? Yep. And I mean, I'm who's, sure there's. I'm who's sure Manny Banuelos? Like, yeah. who's, who's Dylan Covey? Yeah, guys like that. I mean, but I would imagine like everyone knows about Lucas Giolito now, especially after the All Star campaign. Um, I would imagine that most know about Reynaldo Lopez because of his prominence in that um, deal with Washington. Um, but yeah, there, there may be, I mean, honestly, if you're not paying attention to farm systems, may, it may be Cease, maybe one of those, but I feel like if, if you follow any pipeline stuff, uh, that would be it. But um, then again, I can't say I'm an expert on any other team's farm system either. So you never know. Yep, exactly. Uh, then that's, baseball's a weird sport. I'm going to say it over and over again. Baseball's a weird sport. Never know what's going to happen. Um, yeah, I'm going 3-1 and one on this one, Johnny. Um, let's get into some picks to click, and let's talk about who our picks to click are brought to you by. Picks to click are brought to you by Second City Picks, where you can log on to secondcitypicks.com, make predictions for Chicago sports games, and win gift cards to Chicago food establishments. Um, it's really simple. You just go on. Whatever game they have featured that day, you enter the, what you think the final score will be for that game. The tiebreaker is usually the number of hits for the White Sox or the Cubs if it is a Cubs game. And then if you get it right, you'll get emailed a gift card. Um, it really is that simple, Tony. Um, easy way to use your sports knowledge to win some free grub. Um, I, I came very close uh, in that Detroit series, and I, I'm still gunning for it. I'm, I'm, we got a four-game series here in Anaheim, so I'm going to get one of these. There we go. Um Go follow them at Second City Picks on Twitter and uh, head out and make your picks before the Sox play or the Cubs play or whoever their their uh, their matchup of the day is. Now, pick to click for me. Uh, I went Eloy today, and I felt like that paid off very well. Um, I liked that pick. Um, so I'm going to stick with Eloy. I'm going to go Eloy again. I'm going to double down on this. Eloy Jimenez is going to continue to do well. Um, let's see him hit another bomb. You know, I want to I want to see that home run total just get inflated a little bit more. Uh, how about you? I love that one. Uh, I want Eloy to be doing that every single game. Um, let's if he felt like he was a little bit underwhelming at some points earlier this season. Uh, let's see those numbers then have a skyrocket. And sure, it might not be sustainable for a long run, but then it'd make him look better. So, Absolutely. And it, you know, and it would mean and it would mean the White Sox have a chance to win more games, which is the what we all want. So. Um, my pick to click though, I'm going with the big man, Jose, Jose Abreu. Uh, it's time for any kind of, he was kind of quiet. Um, so uh, I'm going to go with him to, uh, get it back rocking. There we go. Eli Jimenez, Jose Abreu going to have some big games tomorrow. Um, it's going to be a late, late series for us over here at Sox on tap. Uh, nine Oh seven start tomorrow, uh, nine Oh seven start on Friday. Um, so uh, we all know how the West Coast games go. It's it's going to be a tiring one for us over here at Sox on Tap, but we will still have your post game shows uh, ready and waiting for you when you wake up in the morning. Um, Johnny, I don't really have much else to say um, other than I hope Tony Twista flies out to Los Angeles and uh, can can bring you the weather report for out there because he seems to be somewhat of a good luck charm uh, ever since he showed up um, over at the the rate for the past few games here no i agree i i, I want to hear some more from tony twista um you, you said it best he's a good luck charm so um and he just offers great entertainment value too so um there's that and as you'd mentioned on the post game shows late starts but tony i think we are uh 
in in good shape at least sleep schedule wise since we are uh cracking the one o'clock hour here um for the socks on tap so uh yeah <laughs> we, we'll be there for you uh when you wake up your review of the previous night's game and then the nice thing is with those late starts you'll have all day to listen to it so uh, a little more time um that's all i've got though absolutely johnny um i don't really have much else so uh let's close it out let's go socks let's go white socks <laughs>